You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. When you go after the general calling, your specific calling will always become clear. There's a difference between calling and a career. A career is something you decide. Calling is something you discover. Calling is something is decided for you. Career is something you decide. Bible says whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. Bible doesn't mind you doing whatever works for you that's in line with your gifts, with your talents, with your personality. As long as it makes money, as long as it's not illegal, and as long as it's not hurting somebody. Amen? So career, many people fast and pray, God, I want to know what you want me to do in a career. Honestly, I don't think we should be praying and even fasting. Just ask the question, is it illegal? Selling dope is, so you can't answer to that question is very simple. Does it benefit other people with that career? And number three, you know, doesn't make you money because playing video games probably doesn't make money. So you can't be doing that as a career. But a calling is not something you decide. Calling is something that God decides for you. Can somebody say amen? Career is something that is natural. Calling is supernatural. You don't need any anointing to do your calling. And you don't need anointing, I'm sorry, you don't need any anointing to do your career. You need anointing to do your calling. In order to do your career, you need to be educated, you need to be connected, and you need to, like Ilya mentioned, you need to constantly fill your mind with knowledge. The moment you get educated, the moment you get connected, and the moment you use your gifts and sets, next thing that happens is that your career will succeed. Even if you don't have a prayer life, even if you don't have a fasting life, your career will succeed. And the same way is opposite is that if you have a calling and you're praying, you will fulfill your calling. But if you don't, career doesn't become successful because you have a prayer life. Some of people who pray in tongues and they prophesy and everything, but they're not good in their careers because it takes more than praying in tongues to succeed in your career. Career is something that's natural. Calling is something that's supernatural. Number three, career is something that changes. Calling never changes. You can always jump from one career to another. You can start with being a manager and move on to being a CEO. You can be a police officer, a sheriff and start business with the daycare. You can be a real estate broker, a real estate agent and then start your own business. You can always shift. Career is fluid based on the season, based on the economy and based on the trends and things that make you successful in this culture. That's why many of us who went to college, we went in studying for one thing and then by the time we finish college we change our major three times and that's completely normal people say well i'm just undecided no that is normal career can change and you should never be afraid to jump from one thing to another whatever that's making you money and whatever that's helping you to become who god wired you to be but your calling never changes you never change it always remains the same whether you're in Potiphar's house or in jail or the prime minister of Egypt you still have the same calling can somebody say amen also a career is something that you do for money calling is what you do for eternity career is something that you do out of your ambition calling is your mission career is your platform calling is your purpose and career I like what Brian Houston said, career is what you are paid to do. Calling is what you are made to do. Career is what you are paid to do. Calling is what you were created or what you were born to do on this earth. Can somebody say amen? I was born for such a time as this. 
you were born for such a time as this you were raised to deliver you were called by God to be the person that you are in today to be the light and the salt but the career is the platform for the calling to become fruitful if you don't have a platform you have no place to exercise your purpose and therefore we go to college to build a platform we get education so we can get a great job we get a great job so we can get a great income we gives us influence it gives us connections it gives us connections it gives us relationships with people and God gives us platform when God helps us to get a platform which we call our career and that platform is not just to make us money it's not just to help us develop a good retirement fund but it's also so we can leverage that for the purpose of our calling can somebody say amen? Esther had a platform. Her platform was she was a queen. But the purpose for that platform was not to create a magazine to inspire little girls in Jerusalem that they can make it in life. Her goal in life wasn't to be an inspiration. Her goal was to be a salvation to her generation. See the problem with many of us today is that what we do is we we take clues from the world and the world uses popular people, connected people, people who have thousands of followers on Instagram and Facebook, people who have a platform, people who have money and they say this, I want to be an inspiration. In the light of eternity being an inspiration is the dumbest stupidest idea in the world. When people are going to hell in hand baskets and they will be there for eternity and there you are saying God help me to get to this level I just want to inspire little girls. It's like giving a hot dog to a blind person walking to a cliff and patting yourself on the back that you started a charity ministry. In light of eternity if there will be no heaven and hell using your platform for inspiration is the best thing you can do with your life but because there is heaven because there is hell because Jesus died not to inspire but to save because of that it becomes our priority to use our platform not to inspire but to save the fear that we have many times is that if I begin to use my platform for salvation I will lose my platform actually you have to understand one thing your platform will die with you only your purpose will outlive you. Your platform, no matter if you're afraid to leverage your platform for Christ and you're saying, I don't want to lose customers. And I'm not talking about that at your job, you get up and stand in front of the, on the reception desk and grab a microphone and say, repent for you will perish. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying every person you do a photo shoot with, you tell them the roadmap of salvation for five minutes and they say, now we're ready to do a photo shoot. I am not talking about that every client that you meet with you ask them where they're coming from and if they go to church but I'm saying you be fluid like water. Water doesn't need a big hole to come out of the bucket. It looks for a crack. It looks for a tiny little thing and it comes out. Many people are like rock when it comes to their purpose. They need a big opportunity. They need their client or the person they do business with to begin to cry and weep say my life is falling apart and only then they'll hear the Lord say maybe I should invite him to church. You're not a rock, you're a water. You're fluid, you look for opportunities, you create opportunities. And even if it's a small crack, you'll drip, 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 but you'll come out. That's exactly how light comes out. Light doesn't look for, for big curtains to be open. You open it just a little bit and the light begins to come out. Not in a full measure, but in a little bit, but it will begin to come out. God wants you to leverage your platform for your purpose. 
your platform will die with you your purpose will outlive you Esther instead of just limiting her life to being an inspiration to little girls in Jerusalem who are orphans she was challenged by Mordecai who came to her and said listen Esther you're a queen your platform is you good looking your platform you got 27 million followers on Instagram your platform you post a picture and people rave around the world that is your platform Esther you're popular Esther you're known Esther you did not get here just because of your looks God gave you these looks and now there is a purpose for this platform the purpose for this platform is not so that you show what your mama gave you the purpose for this platform is that you show the world what the father gave to the world which is his own son the purpose for the platform whether it's on social media whether it's in your work or whether it's in your skill set is not just to make money Mordecai said this he says if you remain silent the platform you're afraid to lose it's already shaky and wobbly it's gonna it's gonna, you're gonna lose it but he says but if you choose to leverage your platform and overcome the fear of losing those things that you have he says not only you won't lose them you'll secure them and the world will never know you as a queen but it will know you as a savior nobody celebrates Esther as a beautiful woman today they only celebrate her as a courageous savior <laughs> Jewish people have a holiday in her name we have a book in her name and I'm talking about her today I don't know who was the most beautiful person last year you don't even know who was the most beautiful person five years ago your platform will be forgotten your purpose will always live on people will talk stories about your purpose Smith Wigglesworth platform was forgotten but because he leveraged it for his purpose today people write books and people talk about him why because your purpose is eternal your platform is temporary and therefore never be afraid sometimes to sacrifice your platform to reach your purpose you might look foolish for just a moment to some people when they see that you leverage you don't live just for a paycheck you live for an impact and this impact not just talking about making people feel better but making people be better by knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and their Savior is there anybody that have a purpose in this house this morning come on give a round of applause for the Lord thank you Jesus with that said I want to dive into the scripture our proof text is book of Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying arise and go to Nineveh the great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish he paid the fare went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord I want you to see this verse twice it mentions in two verses that when Jonah ran from his call he ran from God write this down when you run from your call you run from God most of us think of running from God is when you shoot up drugs running from God is when you stop attending church most of us think running from God is when you start sleeping with your girlfriend most of us think running from God is you're you're, you're downloading porn running from God is you you know selling weed running from God is you cheating on your spouse 
running from God is you eating of the forbidden running from God is you selling the car knowing everything is wrong with it and you say everything is fine with it we know that running from God is duping people lying people cutting corners we know that is running from God but Jonah redefines that because we don't see Jonah smoking we don't see Jonah joining a club we don't see Jonah gambling we don't see Jonah having a prostitute on the ship we don't see Jonah doing anything sinful but the Bible says and Jonah ran from the presence of the Lord why because the presence of the Lord is connected to your purpose because God's anointing is always on your assignment that's why Jesus says first go into all the world and then he finishes it with he says lo I am with you always the low is always for those who go because God's presence is connected to our purpose instead of seeking God's presence live in your purpose and God's presence will seek you because God's presence is on your calling and on your purpose can somebody say amen and many people they run from God without even doing anything immoral and they're not doing anything they lock them up in Benton County Jail but if you are not living out your purpose I'm gonna tell you straightforward in the way it is from the scriptures you're running from God you will know that because your life will have no meaning your life has maybe even salvation but the manifest presence of God the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life is contingent on you living out your purpose God didn't leave you on this earth just to suck up air God left you on this earth because there is an assignment worthy for Jesus to come on this earth and die for and that assignment is entrusted to you and that assignment is entrusted to me and to our local church and when we abandon that Bible makes it very clear we run from God that's why churches that don't win souls don't see miracles. God, God doesn't give his miracles for a show to make a preacher popular or to give him a star that somehow he has the anointing. God gives miracles to prove not that the preacher is holy but that Jesus is good and what Jesus is saying is the truth. Can somebody say amen? When you run from God is when you run from your calling. I want us to see from the scripture that disobedience is not limited to doing something that harms you it's also doing something that hurts others Jonah wasn't doing anything that was harming himself but by not going out in his calling he was hurting other people I want you to write this down disobedience to God's call puts people close to you in great danger Jonah put people around him in great danger when he disobeyed God's call your co-workers will probably go to hell if you disobey God that's the way it is your family members how many people I, and I will not ask for raising of the hands when you started to obey God's call in your life your family is now in church what would happen if you would have been disobedient they wouldn't be here and this is only in a year or two what would happen if you're continuing in the call of God the, the other family members because you're praying and you're fasting for them they will come to know God when we are not living out our call guys we are causing people to go to hell we're putting in danger those around us it's like wearing a suicide vest in the marsh pit and thinking it's only gonna hurt you it's gonna hurt those that are close to you when you disobey the call of God for your life. God calls us out of response to people calling on Him in their pain. God calls us in response to people crying to Him out of their pain. We don't hear the cry of people. When God talks on our heart 
and tells us you know invite your co-worker pray for your friend when God tugs on your heart pray for your family fast for your family to know the Lord when God tugs on your heart it's God doesn't call you until his voice messages have been overloaded with the cries and tears of the people he's calling you to reach when God called on Moses after 40 years of wilderness it's because the cup of tears of, of Israelites in Egypt has reached to overflow and God called the number dialed Moses number so Moses you have to go to Egypt and Moses starts coming up with excuses he says I can't speak I can't go back there. I'm most wanted man in Egypt. I don't have the ability. I don't have the connections. I don't have the army. I've tried it. It didn't work. But God says, Moses, you don't hear the cry. I don't call you because I have nothing to do. I don't call you because now you're just in the wilderness wasting your life. I call you because so many calls came in and I can't ignore that. You don't hear that. That's why I'm calling you. When God called our church, it's because God heard the cries of families and young people in Tri-Cities. And now we hear their testimonies but we also hear that when God was calling us to pray for them they were calling on God to send someone to reach them. You know I remember when I was trying to invite my neighbor to church I live very close to church and uh, I kept postponing it until I find the right time. And one time I went rollerblading with my wife and she said that I, I feel this heaviness that something is, is not right with our neighbor. We haven't seen him in a few, few weeks. We came back home and I quickly googled his name and looked at the newspaper and I found out his obituary. And when the real estate agent who was selling the house invited me to see the house, which was also kind of weird, but I went into the house and I saw a cut carpet in the middle of the living room. And the real estate agent told me that he committed suicide. He was a retired vet who committed a suicide in his house and that's why for two months I haven't seen him. You know something really hit me hard because at that moment when God was tugging, see God didn't push me. He just tugged on my heart. Invite him. God was seeing that he was contemplating to kill himself. God was seeing that he was medicating himself with alcohol. God was hearing the cry. So when God whispers to you it's because somebody's been screaming to him. We don't hear that. When God whispers to you, it's because He's responding to somebody crying to Him. When God whispers to our church, thousands locally and millions globally, it's because thousands and millions are already crying out to God. It's because mothers are saying, who, how, my son is on drugs, my daughter is strangled, my daughter is doing all of this stuff. Somebody please, there is a God, please somebody help me. And God goes into a church, he dials their number and he says, could you please go reach out to others. But we don't hear the cry in the voice of God. We hear a whisper. So we think it's not urgent because God is not beating us and God is not screaming. Because God doesn't let us, God filters the cries of the generation and lets you hear his whisper. But in reality that whisper has a cry behind it and I don't want us to live a life. I lived with that regret and I made a promise to myself that there will be not one service. Whether it's in a small house which has 10 people or whether it's in a large camp or a crusade, I will give an altar call all the time because this is my platform and I will see people come to know the Lord. 
because that person's life could be the last time there will be that person that walked in see I think I know almost everybody here but I don't know those people who came for the first time or the second time who honestly on the last straw and they have a gun loaded in their house or a bottle of pills to end their life with and so I make a decision to myself and I ask you that you do the same when God calls we pick up we pick up why because we are an answer to someone else's scream are you with me I want you to write down point number two storm didn't come to punish sailors but to wake up the saint storm did not come to punish sailors or Jonah it came to wake up the saint sometimes problems in our life like I mentioned last Sunday is they just happen because we become Christians write this down a hardship is not always a sign of being out of God's call unless you're out of God's call then God will use your hardship to direct you to your calling hardship is not always a sign that you are out of God's will unless you are God of God's will Jesus was on the cross because he was in the will of God two other guys who were on the cross they were out of the will of God Joseph was in jail because he was in the will of God Samson was in jail because he was out of the will of God Jesus was in the grave for three days because he was in the will of God Jonah was in the belly of the fist because he was out of the will of God so your circumstances are not always a predicament that you are out or in in the will of God that's why you have to listen to the Holy Spirit and you have to listen to God's Word and out of that you filter why are these circumstances in your life is it because you are in the will of God and the devil is attacking you or you are out of the will of God is God waking you up we know God doesn't send sickness we know God doesn't send disease we know God doesn't send heartbreaks and everything but in this broken world sometimes God uses a terrorizing noise of an alarm clock to wake up his saints sometimes God will use the bad things in this world he will use the donkey to speak to a dumb prophet because he cannot hear God at all sometimes God will use the storm to wake up to Jonah he didn't want to tear the ship he didn't want to drown him and punish him or kill him he just wanted to get his attention because see when God whispers we don't hear him but when God screams we can't ignore him when God whispers we seldomly hear him but through our pain God screams and he is seldomly ignored and the reason why many of us have God scream in our pain is because he's been ignored in our pleasure when things were good God whispered but he was always ignored he was always put on mute he was always snoozed 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 and then when in our pain you hear God loud and clear and this is not to judge us this is not to say oh we're so bad we don't hear God but this is to say you know what God is so good he doesn't give up on me he doesn't give up on me yes I want a smooth sailing yes I want my life to be great but if I am out of the will of God God you have the permission to use whatever you want to get my attention because I don't want to live my life out of your will I only got one life and I don't want to waste it doing something stupid and something foolish and if I am so away from you God that I don't hear anything when you speak in my pleasures and in my good times God use whatever you want to use but get my attention and when you get my attention turn off the alarm please because you got my attention are you with me? Many of us instead of waking up we hit the snooze button. Instead of when we find ourselves in a storm 
in a heartbreak, in a very difficult situation and we know we're out of the will of God. Instead of using that to say, God, I need to get too close to you so you can change my direction in life. We come to God so God can put a band-aid on the problem that's causing us to wake up. It's like a person who has a light showing there's an engine failure and you come to a mechanic paying him money and you're saying, could you please replace the light? He will say, well, great. Let me open the hood and see what's wrong with your engine. Don't touch the hood. That's my car. I want you to get rid of the light on the dashboard. The mechanic will say, I cannot get rid of the light if I don't fix the problem. I don't want you to touch. The problem is the light. Get rid of the light and the problem will go away. If he replaces the light on the dashboard, it doesn't change the problem under the hood. And many of us, when we have a heartbreak and something, our world shatters apart and we are far away from God, far away from the will of God and we come to God. We don't come to God so God can give us a surgery but so God can give us a painkiller. We're like a person headed in the wrong direction. Instead of looking for a U-turn, we look for a rest area. And it's so comfortable for us like Lot who found himself in trouble and instead of having Abraham pull him out of Sodom, Lot just wanted Abraham to pull him out of the trouble that Sodom brought him in. And God doesn't want to bring you relief. He's expecting repentance and repentance is a U-turn. It's when you were headed one way and you realize things went turbulent. Things, God is waking you up and instead of hitting the snooze button and say, God, please heal my broken heart because I know I got the broken heart. I went with the wrong guy but heal my heart so I can go and find another wrong guy and do exactly the same thing. God is not interested in putting band-aid on your wounds. He wants to heal your wounds by His word and by your repentance. Can somebody say amen? Number three, when saints wake up, sailors will worship. When Jonah woke up from his sleep, that sailors, the Bible says, they said to God, we will worship God who created the heaven and the earth. Sometimes all it takes is for you to spiritually be awakened and people around you begin to feel the effect of that and they start getting saved. I can start pointing to people even in their church who the moment they got saved without even trying to bring their friends to God they started to have their co-workers showing up at church and saved one by one. And some of those people unfortunately when they started to backslide all of those co-workers started to backslide with them because you have an effect on people around you. If you think your obedience to God doesn't affect people around you, I'm going to tell you one thing about two Adams. The first Adam which was Adam in the garden and the last Adam was the Adam in the Gethsemane. The first Adam had a supernatural birth and the last Adam had a supernatural birth. The first Adam he reached his hand to the tree. The last Adam he stretched his hand on the tree. The first Adam he said my will be done. The last Adam says thy will be done. The first Adam through his disobedience to God unleashed curse and disease and problems in this world. But the last Adam through his act of obedience to God unleashed salvation, healing and blessing into this world. Don't ever for a moment think that the moment you take your first right step toward God, that God is going to wait for years before he uses your first step to begin to impact people around you. Your first step will have a repercussion on the world around you. Jonah didn't reach Nineveh before God started touching people around him. Jonah did not reach the great city before God started doing a great revival already in the boat. Jonah was not sent to the sailors but God says when you take the first step you're a million miles away from where you're supposed to be but I'm gonna use the first step already and start doing things around you. I will wake people up around you. Hallelujah. 
I want you to see this. God will give you success if you sacrifice your life that sailors don't lose theirs in the storm. I always looked at Jonah as being a selfish perk, selfish spoiled brat. He didn't want to see revival, ran from God. But my perspective changed this week because I asked myself why did Jesus compare himself to Jonah in the Bible but not no other prophet. Now we understand because Jonah spent three days in the belly of the fish, Jesus spent three days in the ground. But there is something about Jonah that is always, mis that is always ignored is the fact Jonah without God telling him to do this, without sailors giving him the idea, he told the people he didn't know they were not his family. He said, this storm will end if I die and I volunteer. And God in heaven saw a man who was willing not only to give, give up his Snapchat and Instagram. He wasn't willing to take a break from watching Netflix. Jonah wasn't just willing to give 10% to the missionary. Jonah was willing to step and literally commit suicide. So the guys he did not know will have a chance to live. And God when he saw that, he said that's exactly what my son will do thousands of years later. He will step from the corridors of heaven. He will come on this earth and people that abandoned and rejected him, he will give his life for them. And because of that, Jesus came on this earth and he says, God will not give you any other sign than the sign of Jonah. Jonah died. The people he didn't know will find safety. And Jesus died. The people he loved will find salvation. But I want you to see this. Jonah did not know that sailors will worship after he steps out of the ship. And Jonah sacrifices, does a great sacrifice, not for the city, not for the region, for few poor souls on the boat. And because he was willing to do great sacrifice for a small little people, God says, now I'll use you to do a great revival in a great city. See, we think God used Jonah because he had no one else. Because God saw a man who was willing to die for a boat. I'll use him to shake a great city. God will not use anybody to bring a great revival. It's people who are willing to make big sacrifice for small opportunities. It's people who are willing to say, God, I will live and die for this. And you look back, it's just sailors. It's just your family. And there you are praying and fasting like you're praying for China. It's just three people. It's just one co-worker. But God sees amount of sacrifice you put into a small boat. God says, if you do it with the boat, you'll do it with the great city. You'll do it with the great region. Thousands locally and millions globally. If you fast and pray for your family, I'll use you to impact a city. I'll use you to impact a nation. I'll use you to impact your generation for the glory of God. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Just stand for just a few more moments. We're going to finish. Great revivals don't come to those who dream of them. It's those who wake up and save their boat. Guys, What's happening with our church right now? We're seeing salvations on the level of the boat. But God called us 
on the level of a great city. God called us with a great vision. Where we are at today is so far away from where we're supposed to be. But God doesn't use people in a great city who hasn't been faithful and fruitful in a small boat. And that small boat may include an office space. That small boat may include your, include your living room. That small boat may include a camp that we drove four and a half hours to to see two people saved. That small boat may include when on Thursday we had a meeting and one person got saved in, in Ray's house. That small boat may include when on Wednesday night you know a couple came here for for another problem and we start leading them to the Lord and they came and on Wednesday night they got saved. That small boat includes few sailors but guys but this is where God is taking us. It's not just about the boat. The boat is the starting place but God has a salvation for a great city of Nineveh. Nineveh was a great city. Nineveh has a great sin but Nineveh experienced a great salvation and don't make a mistake God did not use Jonah until first he seen Jonah resembled the heart of his son he was willing to die for this for the little people he didn't even know right now we're gonna have host groups next week when we have miracle catches don't for a moment think but I'm sacrificing so much for such a little gathering I'm praying so much for such a little number of people God is preparing you for the great city by seeing if you're willing to pay a great sacrifice for a small boat God is going to use our church God is going to use us to bring a revival to our city if it happened with Nineveh it can happen to America People say if God judged Sodom, he'll have to apologize to America if he doesn't judge America. I'm going to tell you something else. If God brought revival to Nineveh, he can bring revival to America. <laughs> revival in Nineveh was so great that the Bible says people from the government to the city. Now we've seen during salvation of people, people fall. I've seen people get delivered. You guys seen people cry their eyes out. You've seen people shake. But I have never seen a person during an altar call go after that for three days without water and food. Never seen that. In this revival, not only one person, the whole city, even the poor animals went fasting and prayer as a way to say, God, we are sorry. If this can happen with a man who didn't do one miracle and who didn't preach salvation but condemnation, it can happen with you and I who are filled with Holy Spirit. We're going to preach not only the hell is hot and eternity is long but Jesus is good and by His cross He's going to save the humanity. We will see a great move of God because we're making great sacrifices for our generation. Come on somebody. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.